The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. you do it <laughs> learn my lesson that's right another episode of that's odd i am one of your hosts i am johnny towns and i'm joined by the magnificent mr christopher chavez it's me that's him over there been a minute it's been a minute been since a minute. i did that yes it has. and the people have been clamoring for it i got gotta... i got three emails just yesterday alone asking where that voice was I got 20 emails yesterday alone, but it was all garbage. <laughs> Do all it, is garbage there still emails. like spam emails? Do you still get those? It's rare yes. where I get spam emails now. Yes, that's all I get. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think last time I got a legitimate email uh, that mattered. <laughs> <laughs> it's remember been a long we were, time. Remember we were like, oh, email is going to change the world. We're never going to yeah. use letters yeah. again. And then nobody uses emails like for, for communication anyway. Yeah, they don't. It's just so much quicker and you know just a text but exactly uh i think some sometimes some of my art stuff is through email but it's so rare it's <laughs> it's so rare yeah um before we get into our stories today for that's odd chris um just i'm going to invite the people the creepers behind the scenes here uh we're recording this over zoom yeah. so we can look at each other's stunningly gorgeous faces um i don't know if you've done this but or if you noticed me doing this today as we were setting up for this but for whatever reason i'll stare at myself in the camera yeah. and i'll look in my eyes and i'll think man one of my eyes is a little off center what? <laughs> now i'm staring at myself and opening my eyes wide to see so i'll make my eyes wide like you're doing and then i'll move them left and to the right and see if i see <laughs> isn't that funny too you can't ever really see straight on yeah. it's so annoying yeah. you're like take a picture of yourself and look yeah, <laughs> I don't think there's anybody at all in the world that's completely symmetrical. Do you know what I mean? Oh man, it's, that's a it, it's yeah. it's got to be rare. I can't see it because even I know for sure for me, I don't know if you can notice, but like my nose is slightly crooked to that that way, just slightly crooked. Yeah, but I just feel yeah. like I don't think there's anybody that's like a perfect mirrored symmetrical face, and if they are, they're just aliens. I'll tell you this too, as somebody who draws people a lot, yeah, uh, even in a cartoony style, especially in a cartoony style like I do, I hate somebody who's generic looking when I got to draw them because mm-hmm. there's nothing that I can really do to make them stand out and be like, oh yeah, that's this person, like you know, like uh, Bob Ross has got the fro, right? Like yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. easy to say, oh, that's Bob Ross, he's got the fro and the facial hair. Uh, but you know, if you got somebody like. Uh, uh, you know, I'm just going to use like Chris Evans, a great looking dude, Captain America. If he's kinda not plain Captain looking America in the suit, face, but he's kind of plain looking in the face unless he's got that beard like he had in that one Avengers movie. Yeah. And the uh, only thing you can really do is the suit. Right. So, you know, that it's yeah. Chris Evans, because other than other than that, you try to draw him as a cartoon character. And I'd say it looks like a, a brown haired guy. I don't know who that is. <laughs> yes. Yes. With exactly. a five o'clock shadow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so that's Johnny Problems. That's a new <laughs> a, a new podcast. I'm Hashtag starting. Johnny Problems. <laughs> uh yeah, uh, I also had another idea for a podcast where I just went through all 50 states, uh, or 51, I don't know how many we have now, uh, and uh, I take a, st- <laughs> I 
take a state at a time. And I just make up really terrible facts about them that are not remotely true. <laughs> uh, I did a very short, and by that I mean I did one uh, YouTube video on this where I did North Carolina, obviously, because that's the one I knew the most. And I got so much hate for it <laughs> from teachers. And I'm not making this up. From teachers who thought they were going to find something that could show their class. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> about North Carolina. Uh, and they were sorely disappointed when I was making jokes about uh, this being in the Bible Belt, which is great because it holds up the Bible pants. Uh, so, nice. That's good. I yeah. like that. <laughs> I like it. Oh, man. Good so times. how I'm not rich? How am I not rich? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. Uh, but today, Chris, we've brought a couple of stories for that's odd. Yeah, very odd. At least mine is is pretty odd. And uh, you know, we've been doing this for a while, so a lot of times I'll find stories and go, "Crap, did I do this one yet?" Because sometimes yes. I find myself finding these old lists that I've looked up before. And I'm like, wait a second, I've gone through this list. And it makes me think, oh, geez, did I pick this? So uh, I'm, I'm almost positive I didn't pick this one yet. Right, right, yeah. Uh, so what we're trying to say is that somebody out there will be kind enough to make a spreadsheet <laughs> with all the things we've covered. We would enjoy that. <laughs> Can you imagine, deal. dude, if a creeper took the time to create a spreadsheet oh, man. and, and yeah. put the topics for every episode? I would not have any idea how to remotely thank somebody for doing that. Oh, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens, right? Yep, yep. All right, so I guess I'll go first since my story takes place in the 70s, Chris. Sweet. Uh, let's go back to the 70s. Let's get all Let's get old groovy. Bell-bottoms, disco. Yes, uh, that's when disco was all high and mighty. Wasn't price also, of gas ridiculous at that time? There was like a gas shortage, so the 70s had bad, bad gas prices. We are on the same wavelength, my friend. The 70s, that's when the gas shortage happened in the United States. It technically happened twice in the 70s. Get out of here. Uh, Gas was hard to come by, and it was expensive, and literally there would be lines. You can find pictures of this. There'd be lines, like, miles long just for people to try to fill up gas in their vehicles. Yeah. So, of course, this led to people wanting to have more uh, economical, viable vehicles. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you just want to be able to get to work and get to places and then not and then not be near as expensive. This is why they started inventing electric cars. Uh, trying to move away from fossil fuels for a while there. Remember when people were creating cars that ran on like Crisco or, or like cooking yeah. oil? And yeah. so you'd have people pulling up to the back of like Chinese restaurants asking for those big vats of yes. wasted oil. I, I remember that. <laughs> Driving down the street smelling <laughs> like like a Chinese restaurant on wheels. Yeah, that I'd just be hungry the whole time. <laughs> uh, You're following behind them. Side note, I haven't had Chinese food since I choked that last Christmas. <laughs> Is it bringing back bad memories? <laughs> yeah. I just get like flashbacks like I was in Vietnam or something. Uh, but, yeah. but it's funny that you should say that about, uh, uh, you know, new types of cars, Chris. Oh, okay. Because this is when we're going to enter a woman by the name of, I should have worded that better. This is when we're going to go into <laughs> the story of. <laughs> That's awesome. The story of uh, Elizabeth or Liz, as she was known to her friends, Carmichael. Um, this is around 1975-ish, like right in the middle there. Uh, the 20th Century Motor Car Corporation was the name of this play of, of this company that Liz was ahead of, and it was out of California. And the reason that they gained notoriety is because they picked this time to design a new type of car. The car was designed by Del Clift, 
and it was named after him. It was called the Dell. Simple as that. Called the Dell. You can find pictures of this car, uh, which I highly recommend you go look up. The here's the things about this car that really made it stand out. First of all, it only had three wheels, uh, two in the front, one in the back. Um, it was a two-cylinder engine vehicle. Uh, it had it was only going to cost about two thousand dollars back then, uh, which is ridiculously cheap. Uh, it was made out of what they considered this is what they called it rocket structural re- uh, resin, which supposedly made it really strong and able to withstand a lot of damage. I'm looking at uh, a picture and, of this thing. Yeah, and here's the big thing though: they claimed it would get up to seventy miles per gallon. I see that. That's it's it is future. So I want to just check here. I'm looking at pictures of the thing, and the only thing I'm seeing is a yellow. Oh no, there's red. So it looks like it just came in red and yellow, maybe a blue. Yes. But it's very spaceshipy. It's very it's very yes. much what you would expect coming out of the '60s into the '70s when it comes to what they thought futuristic vehicles yes. are going to look like. Yes, it's like if you would have saw this on Star Trek or something, you would have been. Like, oh yeah, okay. It feels like a Jetsons a Jetsons yeah. vehicle. Yes. So of course, this car caught the attention of everybody and people wanted to invest in this they wanted to get their hands on this car and all this kind of stuff and liz we're just gonna call her liz from here on out uh, liz was considered a great leader like people really liked her she was a strong woman um and she was really good at talking and handling with handling people um and she was a great mom she had like five kids or something like that so she was she was juggling a lot of stuff because she was a single lady too uh so she was juggling a lot of stuff going on here good and lord okay yeah, that's a lot to handle. Wonder Woman over here. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, she like teams up with these people, and they raise a ton of money for this Dale car. Uh, they raised lots and lots of money through investors and such. And there comes a point, of course, with anything, when you raise a lot of money for something, people who invest especially are going to be like, hey, uh, when's something going to happen with this, right? Yeah, where's makes, our return? Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. And that's what started happening. People were like, you know, we really, we really like Liz, but uh, um, we need we need something here. Mm-hmm. We need some results, or at least something of results. Um, so she would just start laying claims down that uh, they're working on the car, that they have like three, or I can't remember how many it was, like a bunch of like airplane hangers that they were actually working out of to build these cars and stuff. And they were getting everything ready, right? Uh, however... The feds smelled something in the air here. They're like, something doesn't seem right. Chinese food. And it was Chinese food. <laughs> uh, but after they had their Chinese food, they decided to start kind of looking into this a little more. Um, to the point where one of them even went to these so-called airplane hangers and they found out that they were completely empty. Uh, nothing of the sort was in those. Uh, so they were like, uh-oh, something's definitely up here. And they tried to find her. Uh, and of course, big surprise here, with this being that's odd, uh, she's gone. Oh and along, no! And she's missing along with the funds. So all the money's gone, and Liz is gone, and her and five her, kids. Yeah, and her five kids are gone. They're all gone. So let's uh, dive into this even more, Chris. Uh, you saw a picture of the Dale, the car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would you believe that only three of those were ever made? <laughs> only three just ever enough made. to show them prototypes and take pictures huh basically but once you actually looked under the hood uh, and i mean this literally and looked at the cars uh, only one of them could actually move on its own power 
The other ones had bought no floors, so you had to do like the Flintstones and, and literally walk your way. There's video of this, and I'll get to this I'll later. But there's, but there's video of this where there's like pieces of wood and stuff, like literal just pe- blocks of wood in some places where there should obviously not be blocks. Oh of my wood goodness, that's to make amazing. it look like things. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's obviously this is a scam. I mean, you know, uh, people have been out of their money, uh, and they were horribly put together. They were poor quality. You know. They made this big thing about these being this really high quality, being able to withstand damage. But literally, it was like stuff that was even worse than like plexiglass, uh, such cheap plastic and stuff. And literally, you could see this guy bending the windshield, like literally. Oh my hands, god! He bends it. <laughs> yeah. It's a totally funky car too. It's got the two yeah. wheels in front and only the one in the back. It's like a tri a right tri wheel car, whatever you call it. Not a tricycle, a tri. Car, tri car, the tri car, yeah, tri car, which is not the only one like that. There right. have been real ones that were three wheels that were actually out in production. Yeah, uh, that were actually produced cars, unlike the Dale. What's uh, the what's the what's the advantage of that? Is it better steering? Because I I can't see, feel like it, it steers better. It feels like it'd be off balance. That's what I would think too. And I do know I think it's called the the Robin or the Reliant Robin. It's like a British car that was three wheeled. It's smaller than yeah. the Dale. But the front wheel is the one wheel and the two wheels on the back. Didn't Mr. Like Bean a, have one of those? No, he had a four-wheeled small oh, car. Okay, for first but, reason, uh, I thought he had a three-wheel car. I'm going to ask about Mr. Bean. I am a Mr. Bean uh, <laughs> Oh, no, fanatic. you know what it is? I think it's the ones, and I know this is that's odd, but it's the one skit where he's in the parking garage and he's trying to come up with the where the arm goes up, and there's like yeah. a little three-wheel car that comes in that he knocks yes, over. that's it, that's it, that's it. That is yes. it. That is the yes. Light Robin. Uh, there's a very famous episode of Top Gear in which they take one of these things and they just drive them around London or wherever they're at, and it, they literally, not even trying to, just going around curves, flip a thing over like five or six times, <laughs> and have to have people, and literally have to have people who are just out in the neighborhood help them push it back over. That's what I'm great. saying. I can't see that this is that there's any kind of advantage of having a three wheel car. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't think so. Either. Just showing off. Yeah. So of course, finally they do they, they do catch Liz finally, and um, they put her in jail. Where was she? Did it say? Uh, I'm not sure. She apparently didn't get far because it didn't. It wasn't too hard to catch her. Uh, but she's, when in, they, she's in the only working Dale. Go catch that car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we all know it wasn't made very well. So Good lord, she, it was easy to catch her. Uh, however, when, while she was in jail, her bail was actually posted by a news station, a local news station, because she gave them the exclusive rights to her story. So they're like, okay, uh, we'll pay for your bail. And what does she do? Uh, she skips town again. I was going to say, run. I would run. <laughs> yeah. So she's gone. Uh, that, that that They never get their exclusive story. Um, <laughs> however, you know, of course, Liz would jump bail and disappear again for years this time. This time she did a much better job. She was gone for years and years. Uh, and here's here's another thing that made it actually very tough to find her. Um, she was born a man. What? <laughs> yes, she was okay. born a man. Uh, the reason she had five kids because she was married at one point to a woman, and obviously they got divorced. And she kept the kids, uh, started dressing like a woman. Um, the police were very confused when they what? raided her house the first time and found wigs. And what would this and... do to the kids? Like how old? Like the kids? I'm assuming were a little older. Had to know what's going on. I would assume. I don't honestly know. There's not a lot of information on the kids. Understandably. Um. Yeah. So obviously, uh, that's makes it a little tough. Somebody could literally be anybody. Cause she made a very convincing woman. 
Uh, even without, she didn't have, as far as I knew, she didn't have any sur- sort of surgeries or anything like that. Oh, okay. So uh, it was just basically cross-dressing at that point. Yeah. Yes. And we're all for people being whoever you want to be yeah. if it makes you happy. No, yeah. But, you know, uh, she can use this to her advantage to get away. And, yeah. Um, here's the thing, Chris. There's a little show that me and you both love dearly um, called Unsolved Mysteries. <gasps> There's the theme. And, yeah. And they run this story. Okay. And that's actually, I really recommend you to go find this episode. I should have wrote down which episode it was. But it's, uh, I think I want to say it's like in the second season, early summer around in there. Uh, and it's uh, on uh, 2B TV, T-U-B-I, for free. Yeah. So go look it up if you want to. But uh, they run this story. You can actually see the Dale, the car itself. You can see uh, when the the, the, hang, the air, empty airplane hangers, you can see them testing out or looking at really deeply the car or whatever you want to call it and how poorly made it was. Uh, so she's actually caught because of Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, they catch her very soon after that airs. She was in, ironically, she was in a place in Texas called Dale, and they found her there, and she was arrested, and she would serve her time, I don't remember how much time she got, but she would serve her time and uh, be released, and live a very quiet life after that. Like, she wasn't remotely heard of, really, and nobody really knows, her family's very tight-lipped about whatever happened to her. I think one of the things I saw, she actually passed away in the 2000s, Mm. um... But yeah, so that's the story of Liz here, uh, and how a little show called Unsolved Mysteries uh, got her caught. And here's the thing, Unsolved Mysteries got a lot of people caught. Got a lot of people caught, because mm-hmm. that show was huge at one point, and uh, people would be on the lookout for these people. So she was caught, and when she was caught, she was actually being, I think she was like a florist or somebody, <laughs> and she was still, you know, still going around as a woman. Um which made me think, like, I totally understand wanting to be whoever you feel you are, but if you're running from the police and you have a huge advantage of them only seeing you as a as a woman, yeah, wouldn't you change that up? <laughs> yeah, I guess not. I mean, if that's not who you are, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting, man. Um, for, for creepers that are looking for it, you'll find that on Season 1, Episode 22 of Unsolved Thank Mysteries. You. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and um, here's another thing, too. Like, you, the, you'll see interviews with people who worked for her. Uh, on that episode and some of them even after all this were like i would have done it again because they felt she was really strong uh with all this she claims too that she even though i don't think they ever found the money wink wink uh she claims that she only ever got like a thousand bucks out of it (laughs) which doesn't make sense to me that's a that's obviously a bold-faced lie i can't see the Um, investors just like here's a thousand and i can't see them getting all up in arms over a thousand dollars Right, right, exactly, yeah. And I can't see her do, going through all that work just for $1,000, honestly. Wow. Uh, wow. But, yeah, so that's the story of Liz and the twists and turns of of her story. I like that. So we're going to go from Unsolved Mysteries uh, Season 1, Episode 2 to Season 9, Episode 6. <laughs> because my, my, uh, my That's Odd Story was also featured on Unsolved Mysteries. My we, did not, place... we did not plan this for the record. <laughs> no, not at all. Mine takes place in 1994. Uh, August 7th. So, okay, Johnny, here we go. I want to pre- preface this again. Like I said, the beginning of the show, um, 
there's a lot of things we've covered already, right? And so sometimes we'll yeah. come across things, and I think to myself, oh, man, have we covered this already? Especially right. after I've already, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to come in, and I'm ready to do my show, and it makes me, like, think twice. And we've done stories about strange and odd things that have rained from the sky. Right. Uh, on that episode, it was more of a list, ep- not a list episode, but you and I went back and forth covering, like, four, five, or six different ones. Uh, frogs falling from the sky. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah. Blood rain falling from the sky. Uh, even sharks. Remember sharks? Because I, I remember I brought up the, the Sharknado gimmick at that point. Yeah. So uh, today we're talking about some stuff that rained from the sky as well. We did not discuss this, so I was happy to, to, to check that and make sure. But then again, if a listener goes back and is like, yeah, it's between these, these minutes here. Uh, I can't say I listened to it straight through. I, I skimmed it and, and tried to stop at each of the things we said. Anyway, if we did cover it again, deal with it. <laughs> we probably didn't cover it in whatever depth you're about to go yeah. into. And even so, guess. I always think to myself, we got new listeners who didn't go back to the old ones yet, so this one's for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah get over it. <laughs> <laughs> August 7th, 1994, Oakville, Washington. At 3 a.m., rain began to fall, blanketing 20-square-mile area. Though the rain is common there, residents began to note that it was not water that was falling from the sky. Officer David Lacey was on patrol with a civilian friend at that time. When he turned on his windshield wipers, he noticed that whatever substance was falling from the sky smears across his windshield instead of washing off. The obscured windshield forces him to pull into a gas station to try to clean it off, and he dons a pair of latex gloves for safety. As he starts to wipe it off, he realizes, and this is how he describes it, that it's not rain, it's not hail or snow, not even mud. It's a, quote, very mushy uh, substance, almost like if you had jello in your hands. So these weird gelatinous blobs rained from the sky, 3 a.m., August 7th, 1994. And that wasn't the only time. For the, I, I, let me check check this real quick. Yes, for the next three weeks, this happened a total of six times. Weird hmm. gelatinous blobs falling from the sky. Um, was it was it this the, this new craze thick water? Was that what it was? <laughs> you right? heard of that? No, I'm not. <laughs> what is that? Oh, it's literally what it sounds like. It's thick water. It's water that's thickened or whatever it looks incredibly gross oh god why would anybody want to do that <laughs> they claim it's for like it's supposed to be healthier and all this stuff but you know yeah. then you'll see other reports that it's not it That's doesn't do that horrible. at all so. uh yeah. same day local resident Dottie hearn stepped outside after it had stopped and noticed this the blobs were all over the place at first it looked like hailstone to her but when she touched it she noticed that it had odd gelatinous texture by the afternoon of that day officer lacy Dottie, and various other residents had become mysteriously and violently ill. They described having difficulty breathing, extreme vertigo, blurred vision, and an increasing sense of nausea. Beverly Roberts, another resident, said that, the, that everyone in the town contra- contracted a flu-like illness that lasted two to three months. Wow. Uh, an hour after first noticing her symptoms, Dottie was found sprawled on her bathroom floor, conscious but very weak. Her daughter, Sunny Barcliffe, described her as feeling cold and sweat-drenched and looking pale. So these are actually, this is actually uh, her, her daughter's words. These are exactly in her words. 
It says that, uh, quote, it is my understanding that after the fallout, several people in the community did come down with a flu-like illness that lasted four to eight weeks in some cases. A couple that stick out in my mind were two individuals who had complications associated with kidney infection, which I think is somewhat unusual. I do not go. I did not go door to door and interview people as, the, as to the state of their health. Mostly the, the information gleaned was during casual conversations and overhearing statements made by others. I have no idea about what each personal uh, person's personal diagnosis was. Communally, it was thought to be something like the flu. Some individuals, such as my mother Dottie and and Doctor and Officer Lacey, had more acute symptoms. When my mother first found the substance on top of a box on the porch, she stored her uh, on top of a box on the porch where she stored her wood for burning. She touched the substance with her bare hands. Officer Lacey said he wore gloves too, but both of them became very ill within hours of contact with the substance. Initially, my mother was treated for many years disease, a disorder of the inner ear. She had extreme vertigo, dizziness, and felt the room was spinning. Those are all symptoms of that disease. However, she also had a fever and other symptoms of infection. She spent four days in the hospital. Upon her release, I asked her doctor what her discharge diagnosis was, and he shrugged his shoulders and said, I don't know, some type of virus. She did have a complete recovery as she arrived home and over time. Many years disease usually manifests as an ongoing problem, but she never had symptoms again. It is interesting to note that my mother had a plethora of outdoor cats used as mousers in the barns and such. You know what mousers are, obviously, right? Catching mice. Yeah, they're from Ninja Turtles. There you go. <laughs> Gradually, over the following months, uh, some of those cats also died or went missing. In time, the remaining cats were able to build up a healthy population again. Dr. Little, which was her doctor, was, was the attending physician on duty when my mother arrived by ambulance at McCleary Hospital. I had brought a sample of the substance to the hospital and explained to Dr. Little that less than 24 hours earlier, she had made contact with the substance. And since we didn't know what it would be, uh, what it was, would he be willing to do a lab test on it? He agreed and had a lab technician do a routine exam. And that is when white blood cells were found. Dr. Little was intrigued by it, but baffled as we were. My best recollection, recollection is that the lab tech who conducted the test on the goo was known as Kelly. Once my mother had pointed out the substance to myself and brother, we decided to wear gloves because it was an unknown substance. My background is in occupational safety and health, so I opted to wear gloves as a precaution. It is important to note that the gel-like substance, which was clear, no color at all, and about the size of rice grains, was literally everywhere in the grass, on foliage, on my truck. We probably would not have noticed them as they would have only appeared as drops of water had my mother not found them on the wood box. She initially thought they were hail. They were not liquid and had a mass and were three-dimensional. I, I became mildly nauseated a week or so after the first fallout. I became acutely ill with severe bronchitis six weeks after the initial fallout. My kitten died around the third day of the fallout, and it has been reported on some websites that the kitten had digestive problems, but this is not true. Both of my mother's dogs fell ill three weeks after the first fallout. Nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. The vet said that they had an infection and they were treated with antibiotics. It is important to note, at this point, the fallout of gel had, uh, was not a single occurrence, but instead was a series of six over three weeks. All were documented by my mother in her journals. There were rumors that some nearby farms experienced death of larger animals, such as horses and cows. I did not investigate those allegations. I have no reason to dispute them, but they are hearsay. So here's where it gets interesting. I was concerned about the material and spoke with Dr. Kobayashi at the Washington State Health Laboratory. He advised me to send a sample of the material. 
I mailed a sample to Washington State Health Lab, which was assigned to Mike McDowell, one of their epidemiologists on staff. Mike initially set the gel up on a bacterial media to see if it would grow anything. And it did. It grew two types of bacteria. The gel specimen was locked in a medium containment facility, and over time, Mike continued to research it. At some point, he drew the conclusion that the material itself was man-made and was being used as a matrix, that is to say, a vehicle capable of transporting a virus or bacteria. He did report his findings to his supervisor. When he returned to the lab at some point, he discovered the substance was missing. Again, he reported this to his supervisor and was advised at that point to not ask any questions. Mike is retired now and still does occasional interviews regarding the subject. I trust his judgment and his findings as he was a credible expert in the field. Mike was interviewed four or five years ago on a program on the National Geographic channel. Uh, The information about the substance missing was revealed in that program. I suspect he was reluctant to speak of it while still employed. He stated that it was the first time in 30 years of service in his job that a sample he was working for or working with had ever gone missing. I was contacting as many agencies as possible to find an, uh, uh, assistance in identifying the substance. I took a sample to Mike Osweiler, who, uh, who worked for the Department of Ecology. The department concluded it was an organic material. They determined that they did find a cell with a nucleus, which indicated to them that it was biological. The cell could have been a bacteria. It was never specified. Interesting, right? Yeah, very weird. So here's the other piece of that. Uh, after that, it never happened again. This happened over, like I said, six times over three weeks. And for the next two months after that, people were sick, flu-like symptoms over a 20-mile radius, some animals dying, reports of these kinds of things, right? So here are the theories. Speculation arose not long afterward on what the blobs were. One popular theory suggests that the blobs were the result of bombing runs done by nearby military in the ocean 50 miles from the farm which could have caused an explosion within a group of jellyfish that then got dispersed into a rain cloud. Here's the problem with that, right? Uh, oh, hold on. Even though the Air Force confirmed that bombing runs had been performed in the Pacific during that time, they denied any knowledge of an unknown substance or any involvement in creating or dispersing it. Although not many people believe the particular theory of, of jellyfish, it, is nonetheless became, it, it nonetheless became so popular within the community that it prompted discussion of holding a jellyfish festival. You even ugh, listen to this. Even leading to the concoction of a new drink in honor of the strange incident, the drink in question, dubbed the jellyfish, comprised of vodka, juice, and gelatin. <laughs> it's like your thick water. Yeah, just do a Jello shot then. You know, Here, make it easier. Here's uh, another theory. A second yeah, that, theory. That oh, one sorry. sounds. That one sounds to me. I want to do. I want to do what I had you do for the Scooby Doo things. Yeah, I yeah, did. yeah. I'm going to give that a, a two. I don't okay. feel like. That seems, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but it seems like a lot of things have to go just right for that to be what it was. And per my knowledge, and I'm not a jellyfish aficionado or anything like that, but uh, don't they usually sting? I don't know if they make people sick. Uh, the te- it would be the tentacles, I believe, is what the stingers oh, or okay. the stingers are. Yeah. yeah, it says that the distance uh, the parts would have traveled had this been the true thing, and the number of times it fell, which again is over a, a three week period. And the lack of any rotting smell in it uh, put this theory to doubt in most residents. Here's another one. The other theory here is that, uh, let's see. 
A second theory proposed by Dr. Little was that the blobs were the result of drops of concentrated fluid waste from a passing airplane toilet. Though when contacted about this matter, the FAA rebuffed it, adding that all fluid waste from commercial to- uh, plane toilets are dyed blue, a characteristic not, uh, not, you know, not seen in the blobs. Also, the, the, the thing is, is the AA also dis- discussed like it's, it's, it's illegal for the so they call it blue ice. That's what they, they call the release of whatever the waste is in the plane from, you know, when you go and potty. Uh, yep. Furthermore, regulations yes. forbid <laughs> regulations forbid pilots from releasing the blue ice in mid-flight. And I could wonder why. Could you imagine just a beautiful sunny day hanging out with your friends in the backyard, you know, I don't know, maybe just playing bl- cornhole. <laughs> just and all of a sudden there's like blue liquidy shit just comes like spraying down all over you. I could see why they're not allowed to do it mid-flight. Yeah. But uh but yeah, it's it's forbidden and 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 the thing is is you know when it does come time to release that I think maybe at the airport if they notice it's empty, there's going to be questions raised. Yeah. Uh, but again, here here's the thing. This stuff was was clear. It was not uh, blue. Uh, dyed blue. Right. So I'm going to give that a 3. I don't think that's it either. That's for all the reasons you said, it sounds very far-fetched. Um it for whatever reason, it makes me think. Do you remember that story years ago of the Dave Matthews Band, like throwing, like they were throwing out their uh, their potty waste onto the highway? Yeah, as they were driving off. Oh god, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, um, old DMB. So this is great too. So remember how the Air Force said they were doing bombing runs over the Pacific? Yeah, but they denied any kind of knowledge of what was going on here. A lot of Oakville residents. Uh, we're skeptical to that answer because right before this came, this happened, many noticed a significant, almost daily, amount of slow-moving military aircraft in the skies above the town. This leads many to believe that Oakville was the site of a military experiment designed to test a new biological weapon or to test the possible damage of a biological attack on U.S. soil. No samples of this substance exist today. So yes. this was the time that Strange goo fell from the sky. Can you think? And now think about this. Over six. So man, it happens once, and you're just like, "What the heck happened?" Right? Yeah. A few days go by. People are getting sick, but then it happens again. Like, like I said, this happened over, you know, a three week period, six different times. Yeah, I'm giving this one the highest. I'm going to say this is a seven or eight for me because that's yeah. what I first thought was this. Um, the our government has in the past done stuff kind of similar to this and have admitted to it uh, so this is not unusual of a thing where they would test a, a, like a like a, some sort of a biological thing on on a town on their own people uh, on us yeah. <laughs> it's definitely happened before yeah um and i'm fairly certain it'll probably happen again I remember so. back in the 60s or something when they were or, or like like yeah the 60s when they were testing LSD on people unknowingly, like they had no clue what was happening and just to see how they'd react. Yes. Oh my goodness. But yeah, so for me, I feel like this is probably the strongest theory as well. Even though it's the nineties, you know, you would always, you always think to yourself, Oh, it's the nineties. We're outside of that archaic time, man. It wouldn't (laughs) surprise me if they were telling us today that something was being tested on us without us knowing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And unless somebody comes out and blows the whistle on it, who had inside information and has some stuff for it, uh, we're never going to know for sure because I guarantee you they're not going to ever say, yeah, we did that. No, 
no. It's funny though that you that your episode today was tied to a, a an unsolved mysteries episode. Or your your story was unsolved, and so was mine. I haven't seen either of these two these episodes, so now I want to go back and watch it because I guess on the unsolved mysteries is the daughter who collected those samples. They're all. Uh, on there talking about what happened. I believe the officer is on there as well, talking about how yeah. it's smeared across his windshield wiper. Um, yeah, it's a strange thing and totally, totally odd. I don't know what I would think if I walked outside and initially thinking I saw nothing but raindrops and then turned on my windshield wipers and just had it smear across. That'd be disgusting. Yeah, I mean, and also the timing too, right? Three in, in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like, you're wanting to take a... Like, if you did it during three in the afternoon, there's a chance you're just going to be raining on top of people who are out for a walk or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? And, so that's uh, another way they get away yeah. with testing stuff when everybody's supposed to be sleeping in the dead of night. Like, yeah, maybe you stay up to one in the morning or something, but it's rare people are always up at three unless you're an overnight shift, right? Three is usually right. like the dead hour. Yeah, yeah. That's when the dead come out to play, is That's they what they tell us. That's what they yeah. tell us. But there you go, man. There's our two odd unsolved mystery stories uh un- unknowingly themed episode today <laughs> yes yes we're really good at theming stuff without even the funny thing to. is is because when you told me that yours was uh you know the theme for you was that something that wasn't what it seemed it t- kind of works with the rain too you know yeah so there you go blobs falling from the sky and fake cars yeah yeah uh so uh, what we're trying to say is uh, go watch unsolved mysteries that's really yeah. what we're doing here yeah. uh uh, that's our sponsor. They don't. They're not aware that they're uh, they're our sponsor. But <laughs> this whole episode is a commercial for unsolved. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. Episodes. <laughs> so go check it out. Awesome, uh, awesome. So uh, thanks for joining us for Christopher Chavez. I am yeah. Sir Johnny Townsend. That's right. I have knighted myself. Man. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? I'm a lonely guy. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I very much appreciate it. And I know Chris does too. Until next time, we invite you to just. Stay blob. So close. Stay blob. Damn it. Odd.